0: Breaking news, major science update from big tech. It appears people will no longer be ostracized from the public square for questioning the epidemiological efficacy of those stupid cloth hankies that Dr. Fauci made us wear for two years. YouTube has apparently updated its COVID misinformation policy for most of the epidemic. This would be after Fauci told us the masks work After he told us that the masks don't work, YouTube and other big tech platforms suspended and deplatformed people for even questioning the masks. I had episodes of this show taken down because they were in violation of YouTube's COVID misinformation policy. Of course, I still made fun of the masks, but I had to do it in an indirect way. And importantly, in an extremely expensive way when the episodes of my expensive show were taken offline. Now, just one day after Dr. Fauci announced his accelerated retirement before Republicans retake the Congress, now, all of a sudden, it appears Google has dropped its rules on mask commentary. Kind of coincidental timing, but uh, whatever the reason, let me just take this opportunity to say The masks were always dumb, and they didn't do jack diddly to stop COVID. And the only thing they ever accomplished was to make us all breathe stale air and look like lemmings, which our sadistic and corrupt overlords took great pleasure in. Ah, boy, that's nice. Now that that's out of the way, we have to ask. If making fun of the masks no longer constitutes scientific misinformation, then how did it ever constitute scientific misinformation. The masks have not changed. The people have not changed. The platform has not changed. Even COVID, with all the variants, has not really changed all that much. If the scientists simply got the masks wrong, then who's to say they aren't getting it wrong now? And if all of this has more to do with politics than with science or with medicine or with public health, then why were a handful of big tech oligarchs able to set the rules for what can and cannot be debated in the public square? I'm glad that YouTube has decided to let us tell the truth about the masks again. But the real problem is that YouTube gets to decide in the first place. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Drania Shale who says, damn, Fauci is even wrong about when he's leaving his position. (laughs) That's epic. A perfect way for the man to go out. He makes a prediction about when he's going to leave. I'm going to leave somewhere right around the end of Joe Biden's term. And then what do you get two months later? Never mind. I'm out soon. Bye. See ya. Yep. He even got that wrong. We got to protect ourselves from bad technocrats. We got to protect ourselves from epidemics. We got to protect ourselves from freeze fire, flood, and the bad guys. That's why you need Ring. Right now, go to ring.com slash Knowles. Summer is always busy. People are away from their homes quite a bit. I was away, not even on vacation. I I was away because I was in the hospital for a few days while my wife was giving birth to my son. Then I was away yesterday. I was in Canada, of all places. I want to make sure that my home is protected. So you know about Ring. You know about the Ring video doorbell. You can see and speak to whoever is at your door, no matter where you are in the world. You could be in the home. You could be at the office. You could be in Canada. You can do it. You know, Ring has an alarm. It's an award-winning home security system with available professional monitoring when you subscribe. It's fabulous, super easy to install. You can just do it yourself. That's great. Well, Ring didn't even just stop there. They have changed the home security game with Ring Alarm Pro. That is why I have teamed up with Ring. You got to be like me. You got to go pro with Ring Alarm Pro. They combine a security system with a fast Eero Wi-Fi 6 router router for home security and network security in one device. Think about how much of your life is online. Make sure you protect it this busy summer season. I strongly recommend you become a pro like me. You go pro with Ring Alarm Pro. Learn more at ring.com slash That's ring.com slash Dr. Fauci can tell which way the wind is blowing. Dr. Fauci might not be great on pandemics, and he might not be great on the kind of research he's funding, like gain-of-function research in Wuhan. And he might not be great about the efficacy of masks or vaccines or anything else. But I'll tell you what, that guy knows which way the wind is blowing. And he knows that the political winds are against him right now. And he knows that if the Republicans retake the Congress, he's going to have to at least in some way answer for his four decades of failure and incompetence, and even worse, lies and deceit, and so Dr. Fauci is running as fast as he can out of Washington, D.C. You are going to see a Fauci-shaped hole in the wall at NIH the second those Republicans take power. So he's trying to get out of town. And the reason is that he knows that they're going to drag him in front of Congress and he's going to have to answer questions, which he says he will do, but not if he gets tough questions.
1: If once you've retired, Republicans want you to go testify, would is that something you would do? Sure, I certainly would consider that. But you've got to remember... I believe oversight is a very important part of government structure, and I welcome it and can be productive. But what has happened up to now is more of a character assassination than it is oversight. So sure, I'd be happy to cooperate so long as we make it something that is a dignified oversight, which it should be, and not just bringing up ridiculous things and attacking my character. That's not oversight. That's not, I don't want any kind of oversight that, that has them talking about my career and my record and all the mistakes I've made and all the lies I've told and all of the corruption I've engaged in. That's not, that's not dignified. Okay, I want, it to, I want it to make me look really dignified. So if, for instance, the questions are, hey, Dr. Fauci, why are you so handsome? That would be, I think, very dignified. Hey, Dr. Fauci, You're you're so smart and charming. How do you do both? That would be a very good question to ask. But if they're going to ask me about my failure on AIDS and my inability to to make a new anthrax vaccine after I squandered gazillions of dollars from the federal government for it, and after my funding of -of gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and after my lying about the whole pandemic the entire time, uh, that would be very undignified. What
0: a jerk. What a jerk. He says the only way he'll testify is if he gets softballs. Who cares? Especially after the show trials of the January 6th committee and all the rest of this Democrat attack on conservatives. After the show trial of Steve Bannon, after all the rest of it, I want them to subpoena Fauci. And then he's if he's smart, he'll just show up and put on the same kind of soft shoe that he's done for the past two years, and he'll probably get away with it. If he doesn't show up, though, I want them to hold him in contempt of Congress. I want them to throw the book at him. Because even if Fauci realizes, okay, I got to pull back a little bit here. I got to tone it down a little bit. He's actually said elsewhere the reason that he's going to retire is because he thinks that it will make it a little bit uh, less likely that the Republicans in Congress go after him. But even on that, he's hedging. He's I'm retiring, but I'm not really retiring. And I just, I think if I'm out of the spotlight, the odds that they go after me, it's much lower. So Fauci understands that a little bit. The, the technocrats around the world at the United Nations, at the World Health Organization, those guys, they're, they're accelerating, if anything. If anything, they, they are feeling empowered to take even more even more control and even more sovereignty away from us. The head of the World Health Organization Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. Did I say that correctly? Probably not. Who cares? He uh, he said in a speech to the WHO, quote, "The pandemic has demonstrated not only why the world needs the World Health Organization, but why the world needs a stronger, empowered and sustainably financed World Health Organization." I thank all member states for the historic commitment you made uh, to gradually increase assist contributions to 50%. That would be Dr. Tedros. The World Health Organization is in large part the reason why the COVID pandemic was so bad, because the World Health Organization covered up for China during the first several months of the pandemic. And the World Health Organization not only carried water on the danger that the virus in China posed to the rest of the world, the World Health Organization carried water for China on how the virus began in the first place, flew cover for China when they made up the ridiculous story about the bats and the pangolins at the Wuhan wet market instead of where the virus almost certainly came out of, which was the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which was funded in part by Dr. Fauci and the NIH in the United States. Tedros and the whole WHO made the pandemic worse. This is why Donald Trump and lots of Republicans said we need to decrease our funding for the World Health Organization. These guys, not only are they not improving the public health, not only are they taking away our rights and our liberties, they're actually making the whole situation far worse than even when it started. And this is what the libs always do. The libs cause a problem or they exacerbate a problem, and then they take that problem is evidence that they need more power. They, the people who caused and exacerbated the problem in the first place. The problem's really, really bad. Give us more power. You, you especially see this, the clearest example would be with welfare, With certain welfare programs that create cycles of dependency, the libs will take a bunch of power and then wield that power within welfare, giving out lots of money, often entrapping people, not in a social safety net, but in a spider web. And then as the problem gets worse, they use that as an excuse to say, see, this is why you need to give us a lot more money so that we can expand the programs that are trapping people in the cycles of poverty in the first place. This is what they always do. The libs take a lot of power in the education system. Then what happens? The educate the The quality of students' education decreases. Students become much, much more ignorant. Then the libs point to that. They say, this is a huge education crisis. You gotta give us more money and power. No, guys, it was the fact that you took all the power in education that caused the education crisis in the first place. And there is a video out right now from a YouTuber, James Klug, which makes you tremble and weep for America. It's a video of Gen Z. This guy just goes out on the street, asks really, really basic questions to a bunch of Zoomers on the street, and they don't know the answer. And the reason why this is so weird is because we have been reliably told our entire lives, if you're a young person, let's say you're under 45, You've probably been told your whole life, you're the most educated generation ever. And people are being told this more and more, the younger they are. And it turns out we actually know much, much less than virtually every generation that came before us. It means we need to protect what assets we do have. That's why you got to check out Birch Gold. Text Knowles to 989898. The Consumer Price Index has reached 40-year highs. The latest GDP numbers confirm The U.S. is in a recession, whether the administration wants to admit that or not. Now is not the time to have all your money in the stock market or tied to the U.S. dollar. Take action to protect your savings from a highly turbulent economy. Now, by diversifying at least some of your investment portfolio into gold and silver from Birch Gold Group. Text Knowles to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on how to transition an IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Birch Gold will even help you hold gold in a tax-sheltered account. For decades, investors have relied on gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. You can too. They've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. So do it right now. Text Knowles to 989898. Get help from Birch Gold today. That is Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 989898 to claim your free no-obligation info kit on how to protect your hard-earned savings with gold. The YouTuber, James Klug, goes face-to-face with the Zoomers, asks them really simple questions. Here's what they say.
2: How many stars are on the United States flag? 103. 103? 103? 103. Yeah.
0: Obama would have said 32.
2: 57. What ocean is on the east side of the United States? What ocean? Can I Google it? <laughs> you guys know this. I know this. I don't know this. What country is the Queen of England from? <laughs> I'm not a politics guy. I don't know. I really don't know. Just take a guess Like, what country is the Queen of England from? <laughs> Europe? I don't know. Take a guess. What's the capital of the United States?
1: Um.
2: The. Uh, there's a capital? <laughs> what, <Yes>. Lexi? <laughs>
0: Take a guess.
1: Um. um I don't know. Uh, probably California. Yeah.
0: That's right. probably California. It is. No. Nah. Practically speaking, I think I think it is probably California. It's California. Just the California vibe seems to be taking over the whole country. Really sad stuff. Now, you might say, oh, well, he just went out and found the dumbest people he could find and (laughs) posted their silly gotcha moments. I'm not sure that that's true. There was a survey that was taken by the ISI, the Intercollegiate Studies Institute, back in 2007. So this is now 15 years ago, and it was a study of the elite universities measuring historical and civic knowledge of incoming freshmen and graduating seniors the survey found that the incoming freshmen knew more than the graduating seniors, that students were becoming more ignorant the longer they were in college. You can, I think, extrapolate this out to the entire education system these days, which has become just as ideologized as the universities were for so many years. People don't know a lot of stuff. uh, This is part of the, the a problem that I have talked about on this show for a very long time that sometimes I get some pushback from the conservatives on, which is that we have always been told we shouldn't teach students what to think, only how to think. That's what we were told. That's what I was told when I was coming up through school. I bet that's what most of you were told. You even hear this from conservatives. Let's, the liberals are teaching students, the leftists, those leftists, who indoctrinate rather than educate. They're teaching students what to think, not how to think. This one, I'm saying this for the people in the bleachers. You cannot teach somebody how to think without teaching them in some way what to think. You can't teach a student how to think about math without teaching them that two plus two equals four. You can't teach a student how to think about America and American history without teaching them that the American Revolution begins in earnest in 1776. You need to teach them facts about things. You cannot teach a student how to think about ethics and morality without teaching the student that it is wrong to commit murder. When we talk about this distinction between education and indoctrination, it's usually a meaningless distinction. It's a distinction without a difference. Both of the words mean essentially the same thing. Indoctrinate is a word, that comes from the Latin word docere, which means to teach, to lead, to educate, to, to lead out of your kind of ignorance into a fuller kind of education, which comes, it's got that same root word right there. The only difference is that we mean educate to be a good thing and indoctrinate to be a bad thing. It's always our opponents who are indoctrinating. We're the ones who are educating. We can't escape the fact that in order to educate someone properly, you've got to teach them things. Another terrible educational movement that occurred while a lot of us were being educated or not educated was that we were told, oh, you don't need to memorize anything. You don't need to memorize poems or speeches or dates or people or events or you don't need to memorize that because you're so you live in the future. You have Google. You have your magical device right here. So you can just look all that up. That doesn't matter. You just need to understand patterns, themes of history, not the actual facts or anything. And the libs pushed this in particular because by having students remain ignorant of what actually occurred in history, they could just convince students that they were actually educated because they believed the highly ideological themes that we were told about history. Oh, look, you don't need to know anything about the history of the United States. All you need to know is the theme that we went from oppression to freedom. That's the theme. So Forget about the actual stuff that happened. You don't need to know anything about the history of Christianity or the history of the scientific revolution or anything. All you need to know is we went from the dark, ignorant ages into the enlightened, brilliant, scientific, atheist ages. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know anything about what actually happened. And so is it any wonder that now kids, when they're interviewed, they don't know really basic stuff about their own country. They don't know how many states there are. And when you don't know about your own country, when you don't know about your own history, you don't have any reason to preserve or conserve it. You can't be a conservative. You couldn't be a conservative. Even if you wanted to be a conservative, you wouldn't know what to conserve. What are the schools actually doing? The schools aren't teaching students very much of anything at all. Instead, they're pushing a radical ideology, especially this trans stuff. And we make fun of it. We make fun of the pronouns. We make fun of the crazy haircuts. And But it's really, really harmful to students. There's a Florida father who was just uh, testifying before the state surgeon general. He was describing how the school that his daughter attended secretly transed his daughter. And this secret transing of the daughter led the daughter to try to kill herself in the school.
2: In January of uh, 2022, I went to um, my daughter's elementary school to deal with a very sensitive incident. My daughter attempted suicide by hanging in one of the school bathrooms. My wife and I were told that uh, by the school counselor that it happened because of an ongoing issue with her gender identity. We were in shock because our daughter never showed any signs of questioning her biological sex. Um, We were told that they knew about the gender issue due to meetings they were having with our daughter behind our backs. We learned that during these meetings, our our daughter's confusion was affirmed and validated. Through the use of fictitious male names and male pronouns, our daughter uh, was living a double life without our consent or knowledge.
0: This father's restraint is so admirable. Imagine, especially if you have kids, even if you don't have kids, imagine you do have kids, but it's so clear if you do have kids, your sweet little kid, apple of your eye, precious, you'd do anything, You'd, you'd throw yourself in front of a bus for this kid. You send this kid to a school that you pay for through your taxes, and you assume that you can trust the people at the school, the teachers and the administrators. And then the teachers and the administrators secretly fill your precious little kid's head with lies and fantasies and perverted delusions, and then your kid tries to kill herself. It would be very difficult to refrain from violence in that situation against the perverts and the psychos and the weirdos at the school who did that. It would be very hard. That father has such admirable restraint. That's what's going on in our schools. And this is happening in Florida. That's why Ron DeSantis has put out this this mandate to the schools to say, look, no more of this. No more of the weird race education, but especially no more of the weird sex education up through grade three. The only problem with what's going on in Florida is it doesn't go nearly far enough. We've got to kick this stuff out of the classrooms all the way up to grade 12, the weird transgender stuff. We just have to kick it out. And if teachers bring this up at all, fire them, maybe prosecute them. I don't, I don't want to sound hyperbolic here, but this is an, an actual existential threat to society if men and women don't know the difference between the two. All right, it, it is a, a severe threat. To the entire society, if this is what's going on in the education system. And so it, we have to take it very, very seriously. Meanwhile, the libs are crying and saying, saying that uh, Ron DeSantis is basically Mussolini. Forget Mussolini, he's Hitler, that's what they're saying, because he wants to limit the ability of these sickos in the guidance counselor offices and the administrative offices and the classrooms, for that matter, to trans your little daughter and your little son. What are people going to do about it? Ron DeSantis isn't even able to do all that much. This is still going on. DeSantis gives out his orders, and the teachers laugh, and the administrators laugh, and the state attorneys laugh. And they say, yeah, we're not going to. Okay, the governor gave out his order. Now let's see him enforce it. I talk a lot on this show about the squishes. I do, because the squishes, in some ways, they bug me more than the libs. The libs, I expect. I expect them to try to screw up the country. It's the squishes who I find so deceptive. I'm talking about the Kinzinger's. I'm talking about the Liz Cheney's, whose gelatinous rhino spines just absolutely morph and melt under the slightest pressure. Well, it's that kind of behavior that you would never dream of engaging in or modeling to your son or daughter. And yet, the numbers uh, are in. Right now, most of you squished this very morning. Some of you are squishing right now, Michael, you're being too harsh. Yeah, maybe, maybe, all right. But if you are still not shaving with a Jeremy's razor, if you're still using a razor made by a company that said that you're toxic, you are, one, shaming yourself, and two, funding the bizarre gender ideologues who wish that you would just disappear down a drain with your unwanted stubble. Don't squish on your values. Swish, switch. Don't squish, switch to Jeremy's Razors. Get your Founders Series Shave Kit today. Go to jeremysrazors.com, jeremysrazors.com. Meghan Markle is launching a podcast. I'm not interested in this story because I'm interested in Meghan Markle. I'm not even interested in this story because I'm all that interested in podcasts. I'm interested in this story because I'm really interested in politics. And Meghan Markle's stupid new podcast tells you pretty much everything you need to know about how political power is exercised in this country. People should expect the real me in this, and probably the me that they've never gotten to know, certainly not in the past
2: few years, um, where everything is through the lens of the media, as opposed to, hey,
0: it's me. I'm just excited to be myself and talk and be unfiltered. And yeah, it's fun. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I'm calling for a complete and total shutdown of new podcasts until we figure out what the hell is going on. Too many people have podcasts. Look, I understand it's rich coming from me. I have three podcasts myself. Okay. I've got this show. I've got Verdict with Ted Cruz. I've got The Book Club. I'm on other podcasts, actually, too. I'm on backstage. I get it. Okay. But it's too much. Meghan Markle having a podcast, it's too much. And why does she have a podcast? This woman was. Duchess of Sussex. This woman was actual royalty in the most prestigious royal family in the world. The last really even somewhat important royal family on earth. She wasn't even just a politician. She was even higher than a politician in public life. And she gave all that up to do a podcast. She gave up having a, a, an official role in politics to just kind of be in the media. There's a story that came out over the weekend. This is a story uh, about me, actually, (laughs) and some other people, too. It's from Politico. It was a total hit piece on conservatives who have podcasts. It was called, Wow, Politicians Are Really Bad at Podcasting. And none of these politicians are getting it right. And the story was largely about me and Senator Cruz because we have the most prominent politician podcast in the country. That's the Verdicts podcast, which hit number one on the charts and stayed there for a long time, and it still is pretty high up on the charts most of the time. And this Politico guy hates the podcast, and he, he called me a right-wing gadfly, which I'll, I'll take as a badge of honor. Uh, I'd really be worried if a Politico reporter liked my podcast. That's how you know I'd have to hang it up and find a new job. But I really like, he was very upset. He was very bothered. He listened to lots of episodes of the show. Uh, he certainly didn't learn anything. But even granted all of that, the very fact that this article could be written, because it wasn't just about me and Ted Cruz. It was about all of the politicians who have podcasts as well. I think Cruz and I, uh, Senator Cruz and I had the first one. And then afterward, it was just this cascade of politicians starting podcasts, sometimes with co-hosts like me, sometimes just on their own. They get a microphone, they record it. And so you had all these politicians making podcasts. And the fact that happened tells you a lot about our political order, which is that politicians are, are starting podcasts because there is essentially no difference between an elected politician and a media figure in terms of the actual political influence that they wield in the country. Now, the Obviously, if you're in the United States Senate, you do still have certain privileges that the bureaucracy and the the deep state have not managed to take away from you. You can confirm judges. You can ratify treaties most of the time. But, But most of the political power of elected politicians has gone away. Even the US Senate, which should be the most important deliberative body in the world, but certainly the U.S. House of Representatives, and certainly a lot of the state houses, and certainly a lot of the lower elected positions. That power has gone away to the deep state, to the bureaucracy, to the executive agencies, to the corporations through privatization, to the schools, to all the rest of it. The difference between a media figure and a politician not so clear these days. In fact, the most important thing that most elected politicians do is go on TV. Well, it used to be go on TV. Now that TV doesn't matter as much anymore, it's that they go on podcasts. It's that they go on the internet. It's that they get the message out there. Most members of Congress are sort of glorified press secretaries. Or now maybe a little bit more so because they host their own shows and they get the message out there. But in terms of the real power that they wield, it's not very much. You compare Your average member of Congress to your average career bureaucrat, the bureaucrat has way more power. To your average school administrator, that school administrator is going to have a whole lot more power. That's a political problem because the people still have some say with the elected representative. We don't have any say with those unelected bureaucrats who even the president can't really fire. You want to talk about the difference between showbiz and politics here? and the overlap. Ron DeSantis, who I think is the greatest governor in the country right now, Ron DeSantis just put out a political ad where he compares himself to Top Gun.
3: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, this is your governor speaking. Today's training evolution, dogfighting, taking on the corporate media. The rules of engagement are as follows. Number one, Don't fire unless fired upon, but when they fire, you fire back with overwhelming force. Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking asking you to tell me what's in the bill. Number two, never ever back down from a fight. If
1: I could complete the question, though. So, so are you gonna give thi- a
3: speech or ask a question? <laughs> Number three, don't accept their narrative. It's wrong! It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative, and you don't care about the facts. It's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. All right, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Let's jump on.
0: As much as I love Ron DeSantis, and I really love the guy, is as much as I hate this ad. I hate, whoever, whoever suggested this ad to the governor should not only be fired, but should probably be imprisoned. Okay, that's how bad this ad is because the ad totally cuts against the whole DeSantis ethos. The whole DeSantis vibe is that he doesn't need to put on a soft shoe and a show and talk himself up and and make a, a big spectacle of himself because he's just really good at governing. That's the, the whole argument for DeSantis over Trump in 2024 is that DeSantis has all the really good qualities of Trump. He attacks the media. He's got the right instincts. He's right on the issues. But he's much more effective at wielding political power. I'm not saying that's even necessarily true. I'm just saying that's the argument for DeSantis over Trump. And then DeSantis goes out and makes one of these kind of cringeworthy commercials that undercuts that whole argument. The whole argument for DeSantis is he's a serious guy. No, he's, he's not messing around. He's not one of these clown politicians that just goes up and does a little routine and a little vaudeville number. And doesn't really do anything. DeSantis is a guy who gets stuff done. He wields political power. He's a tough guy. And then they have him put on a clown suit and dance around. What is wrong with these people? Ah, ah, ah! <laughs> these you never, never underestimate the ability of Republican political consultants to clutch defeat from the jaws of victory. DeSantis needs to just. Forget about this ad. Politicians make mistakes. But just, he he needs to be aware that he doesn't have to do this stuff. Because he's the real thing. He's the real deal. He could just be the real thing. He doesn't need to be the pretend thing. It's it's the Meghan Markle problem. Meghan Markle was the real thing. She was an actual princess. And she gave that up to try to play Disney princesses. She, she was an actual Public figure, royalty, the real deal. And she gave that up to just be the kind of image of a public figure, to just be a facade, to just be someone on a TV screen. To just play pretend. We don't need to. Ron DeSantis doesn't need to play pretend. He's the real thing. We all need to stop playing pretend. And we need to actually do stuff. We're living it's a it's a technological and social problem, it's a problem of our age. We're all just living in virtual reality. We're all just playing pretend. We're all pretending that, that we're a certain identity on social media. I'm not even talking about media figures or politicians. All of us are doing that. We're putting out a pretend persona instead of doing the real thing. We're taking photos that are totally specially tailored to make it look like we're having a great time instead of just actually having a great time. To make it look like our lives are really perfect instead of actually working on the habitual virtuous things that make our lives very good and that lead to human flourishing. Don't do that. Just be the real thing. Speaking of potential presidents, you know how much I hate to say I told you so? You're aware of that. For the past- Couple of weeks, there has been chatter among the libs. There's been and the squishes and the whole political class. They've said Liz Cheney might run for president in 2024. Liz Cheney standing up against the Trumpists and the MAGA, the liberals on ABC News. Not just ABC News, but they're they are I think representative. They were just discussing all the very serious commentators with their serious ties on and sitting on network television. And they said, Liz Cheney, oh, boy, she's going to pose a real problem for Trump. She's going to play a real significant role in the Republican Party. Mark, what, what, what is your sense on the role that she has taken on? I I think
3: she has been, look, I would say that she's unleashed, but she was pretty unleashed before (laughs) the election. But I think she will be an extremely relevant figure in her party, I think, across the board. I I think
0: she seems like she is, one, committed not only to sort of take down Donald Trump, but to take down the sickness of her party. Extremely relevant in the Republican Party. She's going to take down Donald Trump. She's going to take down all the MAGA people. So that's what the, the genius political experts were saying. On this show- Six days ago, I said the opposite. I said, no, Liz Cheney's a joke. If she ever runs for president, she's not gonna take down Trump. She's not gonna be relevant in the Republican Party. If she does anything at all, she's gonna hurt Joe Biden. So what's her support nationwide among Republicans? I don't know, negative 10%. She would be a spoiler for the Democrats, because the Democrats have gone completely insane. Even the majority of Democrats know that they've gone completely insane. The majority of Democrats don't want Joe Biden to win in or to run even in 2024. And because the Democrats have pumped up Liz Cheney as this honorable, maverick, rogue voice of reason, I could see a lot of moderate Democrats possibly pulling the lever for her in 2024. So fine by me, Liz, I truly, truly hope she runs. She will not be a problem for the Republicans. Guess who was right? Guess who is right? You've got the whole stupid political establishment of experts who are geniuses who go on network TV on one saying one thing, then you've got little old me, little old me in my little old studio saying the opposite. Guess who was right? Turns out, I told you so. A uh, news new report from Yahoo News and UGov uh, shows that Liz Cheney, if she were to run for president in 2024 would not only not take down Trump, she could single-handedly swing the election to Trump by hurting the Democrats. (laughs) This poll, and it was Yahoo and YouGovs; these are left-wing polls, uh, they found that if there were a one-on-one rematch between Biden and Trump, today Biden would lead by four points among registered voters, 46 to 42. Now, I don't really believe that that would happen, but that's just to show you that the poll is skewing to the left. In a three-way race, with Liz Cheney on the ballot, Trump would <laughs> flip from being four points down to having an eight-point lead over Joe Biden, 40 to 32. Why do I bring it up? Do I bring this up just to toot my own horn? No. No, not just to do that. I bring it up to remind you, and I'm preaching to the choir here, the people that our society exalts as experts are complete idiots who don't know anything. Or who are intentionally misleading you. They are wrong about statistically everything. They are wrong about Liz Cheney. They were wrong about Trump. They were wrong about Russia collusion and Ukraine's collusion. We always forget about that. They were wrong about, remember net neutrality repeal? All the experts said that if we repealed net neutrality, people would die. Remember that? They are wrong about, that's just one kind of random example. They were wrong about the vaccines. They were wrong about the masks. Even YouTube's, they're wrong about everything. <laughs> they're wrong about everything. And so if you continue to trust them on anything, I can't help you. You're not going to make it. And I know, I know that even for us Hardened conservatives who we don't have really any trust in the establishment anymore. But even for us, when you see the fancy people in the fancy ties on network TV, and they've got really fancy faces, you know, and they look really serious. And they say, Liz Cheney, she's gonna be a really relevant figure in her party. Oh yeah, global warming is gonna kill us all in nine years. Uh-huh. Oh, the masks totally work. They super duper work. Uh-huh. The vaccine, if you take the vaccines, you'll you'll never get COVID, and you won't spread it. And we're really serious people. It's it's hard to it's hard to push back against that because they are—they at least have the facade, the veneer of authority. They don't have any real credibility, but it sort of seems like they do. I had this experience. I may have mentioned it on the show. I went to my 10-year college reunion, and I got to see a lot of my friends, some of whom are former friends because they don't like my political activities in recent years. But- I would say probably a fifth of the class we had a nice time hung out had a good had a good time. And a lot of the rest of the class not only were they frowning at me but they were frowning in general. I noticed this. A lot of a lot of my classmates I went to a very liberal school and a lot of these people have gone on to have uh, according to the New York Times, according to the kind of elite consensus, they've had really good lives. They 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 did all the things they were supposed to do. They went to the fancy school. They didn't settle down and get married. They worked in some kind of liberal company that, that is considered prestigious. They didn't prioritize their personal life. They, they moved to the big city. They lived in a little pod. They went to all the restaurants that you're supposed to go to. They only prioritized work and they read the New York Times and they read the Atlantic and they just did all the stuff that the liberal establishment tells you to do and all the experts tell you to do. And they locked down and they wore the masks and they get all the shots, and they, they take all the advice of the libs, and they're miserable. So many of them. I, you look at feminism. Fe, the feminism, which is one of the most effective political movements in American history, certainly the last 50, 60 years. Feminism said, we are going to make women happier. Ever since feminism took over in the 1960s, women have become much less happy, both in relative terms to men and in absolute terms. It, didn't, it's not, it doesn't give you what it promises it will give you. The experts, the emperor has no clothes. The experts have no wisdom. You really should not believe them. One last point on that Liz Cheney bit. I just noticed people call her a maverick, you know, and it reminds me of one last point on the stupid Ron DeSantis ad. it's just occurring to me now. They, They are comparing Ron DeSantis to Maverick. They're saying he's a Maverick. Maverick is the term in politics most associated with John McCain, who is the opposite kind of Republican that DeSantis is. John McCain, not popular anymore, totally squished on the Republicans when it counted, deeply unpopular in the party. You've got Ron DeSantis who doesn't squish, who's a tough guy, who's conservative, who's very popular. And this stupid ad, it's just hitting me now, is- implicitly comparing him to John McCain by calling him a maverick. What are the ah what are these people thinking? Ah drives me crazy. Drives me absolutely crazy. Don't do that. Don't believe the experts, whether you're talking about the expert Washington DC political consultants or you're talking about the experts in the lab coats at the NIH or anywhere in between. These guys, I'm not saying experts always are idiots, but right now they are and you, you shouldn't believe them. Now, speaking of hurting Democrats as Liz Cheney would do, A New York City official is uh, still crying about the fact that Texas Governor Greg Abbott is shipping up buses of illegal aliens from Texas to New York because New York says we want more and more illegal immigration. Texas says we really don't. New York says we're a sanctuary city. And so Texas says, okay, you want them, you got them. They ship them up and now the New Yorkers are crying and they're saying, no, we don't actually want them. We just want to make you look bad. We want you to keep them. We don't actually want them. And now, obviously, that's so hypocritical. People are, are mocking uh, New York City because Governor Abbott called their bluff. And it became clear that the New York Democrats only want illegal immigration elsewhere, in the red states, but not in my backyard. Now the New York City officials are trying to explain that away. They're trying to explain their reticence to take on the illegal aliens that they've encouraged to come to America. And it's because they say they didn't get any warning. Cities in Texas have been dealing with this issue for decades, and now New York City, Washington, D.C., dealing with the same issues right now. I want to put something on the screen right now. This is from the New York Times. They've been covering this pretty in-depth, and this is from over the weekend. They wrote, The city's early response to the influx of migrants was marked by weeks of flailing and missteps, deeply at odds with the give-me-your-huddled masses rhetoric of Mayor Eric Adams. Some families slept at an intake office in the Bronx in violation of the law. Some were separated by bureaucratic snafu and advocates said the city often failed to provide basics like food, diapers, and medical attention.
1: This is New York City. This is supposed to be the greatest city in the world. So what's happening? Again, Governor Avid uh, did not give us any warning that he would be sending people to New York City. Uh, and uh, as nonprofits like Catholic Charities have indicated, they started to um, receive people out of nowhere. And it's, it's a situation that we are all trying to adjust and, and meet the moment.
0: Now that's it. No, we would have really been happy with all the illegal aliens being shipped up here from Texas. It's just we didn't get any warning. What do you mean you didn't get any warning? Are you you telling me that illegal immigration is some new issue in America? This hasn't been going on for 50 years now, increasingly. Oh yeah, we just had no idea. What are you talking about? You know about illegal immigration. That's why you call yourself a sanctuary state. That's why you call for more of it. You just didn't think, you didn't think that the governors would call your bluff. You'd, what happened here is you didn't believe. when You you thought that you could just talk, 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 talk. Oh, yeah, we want illegal immigrants. We're the good guys. Those Texas people, they're the bad guys. Oh, we would take them. We would totally take them. We love illegal immigration. And you didn't think that any Republican would actually wield political power to call your bluff because you thought that Republicans are all gelded little gimps who just exist to lose with dignity. And they maybe they occasionally talk a good game, but they don't actually wield power. And then, Greg Abbott, who's not even the most right-wing conservative, Greg Abbott wielded power in just a little bit, little bitty way, and you're losing your minds. That's a good message for all the rest of the Republicans. Is by the way, this is popular stuff. I mentioned on the show the other day that the majority of Americans believe that illegal immigration constitutes an invasion, and the libs say this is racist, horrible rhetoric. Poll comes out by Ipsos, shows that of Hispanics agree that illegal immigration across the border is an invasion. Almost half of the Hispanics in this country, I don't think they're racist against Hispanics. They're saying the same thing because it's true. It's a winning issue. Republicans just need to wield a little bit of that power. Now, we've got a lot more coming up in the member block. Uh, Our producers have found a, a viral clip on TikTok of what they tell me is the most intense pronoun explanation. This is going to clear up all the pronoun transgender controversy. They want to play it for me this way. I'll become educated. I'll probably become woke. That is happening right now. If you don't want to miss it, if you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us over at Daily Wire. We'll see you over there.